Thank you for joining us today. We believe that the word of God is designed to make a mark in your life that is not easily erased. And right now, God is sharing to us about relationships and how our relationships should not be easily broken. I believe this word of God is going to do just that. Strengthen your relationships so they're not easily broken and you can move forward with a group of people that are supporting what God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Of course, we're still in our series, Not Easily Broken. God is not interested in us just breaking off relationships and just casting people to the side without any effort of uh, making peace with, uh, with ourselves. And in particular, we've been kind of zeroing in on uh, marriage, but I'm telling you the things that I'm relaying to you can, uh, a lot of them can apply to anything, any type of relationship that you have, because God is really asking us to be led by his spirit when it comes to relationships. And of course, we know the most important relationship we have is the one with God. So if that's the most important relationship, then we cannot leave God out of any relationship. Amen. Those relationships stem and are based upon our relationship with God. So we're going to, uh, again, start with Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Again, I'm asking the uh, people who are not married not to tap out on me because the word is good. <laughs> the word is good, and I promise you tonight you'll be able to apply what I have to say in any relationship. So it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, in the New King James Version of the Bible, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So God again decided that man should not be alone, that he would make someone comparable to him. And uh, the Bible talks about uh, that you pursue those relationships and that uh, and when he made this decision, not being alone, just because he made a helper or a helpmeet for Adam didn't mean that he, they, they were supposed to leave God out. They were, so God wanted to be on this journey with them, not them be on the journey by themselves. So having said that, we have to start to think about in relationships, what are people normally looking for? What, what are you looking for in a relationship? When you get married, when there's a friendship, what are you looking for? So we're going to talk about four things that are uh, uh, are vital in a relationship uh, and four things that people normally look for in any type of relationship. So um, those four things we're going to talk about are our deepest needs when we are in a relationship. And sometimes those things are just uh, out of line when you think about it. But we are looking for acceptance. In any relationship, you're looking for acceptance. Uh, you, want to, you want to be accepted for who you are, not who people are trying to make you be. But I want to be who I am. You don't ever want to be in a relationship where the person starts trying to make you someone else or try to uh, get you to be someone else or cause you to be someone other than who you are. And, you know, those kind of relationships do go on. You, you meet someone and all of a sudden you start making changes based upon their demands. They, and my, it's interesting to me, you met me how I was, then you try to change me into someone else. What's up with that? Maybe, maybe what you're looking for don't exist, and you need to make some changes in what you're looking for, but most certainly you don't want to get in a relationship where a person will not allow you to be who you are. Also, when we uh, look at relationships, uh, we're looking at identity. Uh, 
We're looking for, um, sometimes we're looking for our identity through other people, through other people. Uh, we look at security, we look for security in relationships, and we look for purpose in relationships. So we're going to um, just go back through these and, and look at some things because those needs, those four needs, acceptance, identity, security, and purpose need to be all found in God, not in someone else. Because when you look at acceptance, who you are, uh, let's turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter uh, 13 and verse Hebrews 13 and verse 5. I like to look at this in the Amplified. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, let me get to it. Okay, so I wrote down the wrong scripture. The scripture, someone helped me out right quick, uh, where he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. It did, that is right? Okay, so I just got the wrong thing in here. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm in verse 4. No wonder it looked wrong. Okay, amen. <laughs> he, says, um, he says, let your character or moral disp disposition be free from love of money including greed, avarices, lust, cravings, and earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. He says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Now, only God can promise that. Only God can promise you that he will never let you down, that he's good for his promise. He, he promised he won't ever leave you under any circumstances, no matter what characteristic you display. God says, I'm going to always be right here with you. And when you place that demand on someone and you're looking for them, of course, I, you understand commitments in a relationship, but understand that sometimes stuff happens and people don't keep their commitments. That's right. That's right. But God said, you can count on me. Right. So you can count on always being accepted by me. Amen? Amen. So when you look at uh, your identity, you know, God knows who we are. Yeah. That's a, you know what, that's a good thing. God knows who we are. Are. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And so, and, and, and knowing us, he still accepts us. We, we look for significance from other people. Let's look at James, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 10. James chapter 4 and verse 10. And we're looking at this in the Amplified. But... Uh, we find our identity in Christ. That he's the one who makes us significant. We, we can't look to other people to make us significant because the, it, it's, it would be a hard time and, and we encourage one another, but if you're always looking for somebody, 
to tell you, oh, you know, go ahead, you okay, you all right, you're good, uh, uh, you know who you are. You're you going to have to one day discover who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. But in James chapter 4, verse 10, he says, humble yourselves feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord. Not in, in front of nobody else, but in the presence of the Lord. He said, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your lives significant. God said, I'll make you somebody. I'll identify who you are and I'll make you someone. Let's look at uh, Psalms chapter 139. Psalms chapter 139, and we'll start at verse 1. Psalms chapter 139 and verse 1 in the Amplified, it says, Lord, you have searched me thoroughly and have known me. So God is not trying to discover who you are. He already knows who you are. He says, you know, this is what the psalm says, you know my down-sitting and my uprising, and you understand my thoughts from afar. You sift and search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. He says, for there is not a word in my tongue still unuttered, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God said, before you even utter a word, I already know what you're going to say. I already know what you're going to say. He says, you have beset me and shut me in behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. I need to read this to you out of another translation. Let's look at the easy uh, reading version of this particular passage of Scripture. And it says, Lord, you have tested me so you know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You know my thoughts from, from a far away, from far away. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know everything I do. Lord, you know what I want to say even before the words leave my mouth. Yes. I know what you want to say. Talking about knowing who you are. God knows exactly who you are. He says, you are all around me, in front of me, and behind me. I feel your hand on my shoulder. I'm amazed at what you know. It is too much for me to understand. Your spirit is everywhere I go. I cannot escape your presence. If I go up to heaven, you will be there. If I go down to the place of death, you will be there. If I go east where the sun rises or go to live in the west beyond the sea, even there you will take my hand and lead me. God says, I know exactly who you are. You don't have to, you don't have to pretend with me. You don't have to uh, put up a, 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 a farce for me. You don't have to act like a super Christian with me. You can just be who I created you to be, and I'm good with that. Look at somebody say, God is good with me. And he is good with you, and we have to understand that. Even if you're not good with anybody else, you're good with God, and that's the most important thing because he's the one who makes your life significant. So you don't enter to a relationship trying to get someone to, to make, cause you to have significance in life. You have significance anyway. Whether you're in a relationship or out of a relationship. Whether you have a bunch of friends or few friends. You are significant. Look at somebody and say, I'm significant. That's why you don't be around people that put you down, coming against what God has said about you. You don't be around people who are highly critical of you. Hallelujah. You, you're supposed to be around people who, who know who you are. 
Know who you're coming into. People who will be there to lift you up and agree with who God says that you are. Oh, goodness gracious. Yes, amen. In Jeremiah, you don't have to go there. In chapter 1, he says, I knew you. I knew you. Uh, in, uh, I think it's in 139, also Psalms 139. He talks about, you know what? I knew you. You were being formed in the womb. I, I, I saw you intricately. Notice that's what God said. Being formed and designed. I, I knew the color of your eyes. I knew, I knew the texture of your hair. For us who don't particularly like it sometimes, and we do some other stuff to it. But, but, but I'm just saying, and, and God don't have a problem with that, but I'm just saying you can't find your significance in that. God knew, he knew our shape. He knew everything. He said, I saw you when you were being formed. The Bible says in the darkness, in the, in the deep. I knew you. I know who you are. You don't have to pretend with me. You don't have to put on airs and try to develop another personality for me. Be who you are, who I created you to be. Amen. And God is all about pulling out who we really are. You know, some people have some rough edges, and God's about smoothing those things out because he knows that's not who you are. So he uses his word to pull out who you really are, to expose yourself to you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God is such a good God. So only God can tell you who you are. Only God can pull out of you who you are. Amen. Amen. And purpose. Uh, God is the one who gives us purpose. We have to make sure we're not just living without purpose and we don't look for other people to give us purpose because what happens when something happens to that person? What happens if they're no longer there? Then all of a sudden you're devastated. You know, people, people get devastated when uh, people are no longer a part of their lives. Not realizing that everybody that comes in your life is really not meant to stay and we try to hold on to dead relationships. We, and, you know, people start to do anything just to get other people's attention. Anything to cause, because I, I don't know what my purpose is. I've, I've lost my focus, and I don't know what my purpose is. And your purpose can't be just something uh, fleeting and passing. Your, your purpose can't be, I'm just here to make money. Your purpose is not, I believe Greg put it this way, God don't want us just existing, but he wants us to live life. He wants us to live life, and only God can show us and tell us how to live a purposeful life with him. Um, God can give you a reason to live. You know, sometimes when people, uh, purpose is uh, superficial, when whatever it is that you're putting your, your, your hope in and your trust in, when that diminishes, then all of a sudden you don't see a reason to go on. Haven't you, haven't you heard people? Okay, I'm so sorry, that's not you guys. Haven't you heard it all like on movies and things like that? Where people, you know, something happened to a relationship and all of a sudden they can't go on. You know, I just, I just can't go on without them. I'm just, the depression and, and sitting in the house, you know, I really thought this was uh, stuff that, you know, Greg normally went to the extreme with stuff concerning people, but I actually did meet a lady who, uh, her marriage ended in divorce, and she literally told me that what she does is she go to work, 
and she put on the happy face because she works with people. She literally went home, closed the curtains, locked the doors, turned off all the lights, got in her bed and covered up until the next day and she got up and went out again. See, the thing about it is this, is God wants our relationships to work. He wants marriages to work. And uh, because that's, you know, that's a part of one of, uh, uh, of the covenants that he made. Is God, marriage is uh, a part of God's plan. But if the spouse should not be there any longer, that doesn't mean you stop life. That doesn't mean you stop living because if you have the purpose of God in your heart, then you can keep moving forward. I'm not saying it will be an easy transition, but you can transition. You can still move forward as long as you know what your purpose is, as long as you know why God put you here on this earth. I can remember one day going to work and I was in a hurry and I'm rushing. And uh, by that time I had four children and Oh, it just seemed like it was forever getting to the elevator so I could go up to the seventh floor. And they had mirrors everywhere. So as I'm, as I'm walking briskly trying to get to the elevators, I'm, I'm looking and I'm, you, know, I'm, you know how when you're in a hurry, it's like, is everything all right? I didn't leave anything off right. Is hair okay? And so I get in the elevators and the elevators are full of mirrors. So I'm standing there and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, okay, all right, okay, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And God said, do you think... Do you really think that you're living your life just so that you can rush and run around for this job? And I, I thought, what do you mean? He said, that really is not your purpose. Yes, I, I need to work, but he wanted me to know it's not as important as my purpose. So I had to also reevaluate even my purpose for where I was. Yes, I was there to earn money, but I was also there to touch other people's lives. That was my purpose. See, sometimes we lose our focus and we major on the wrong things. God, we, we, God puts us in places. God allows us to have positions and jobs and, and brings us into relationship with people so that we can impact people. See, God intends for a husband and wife to impact each other through submission, of the, of one, submission to one another. He tells the husband to love the wife as Christ has loved the church, and he's asking the man to help pull out and reveal who this woman is and what her significance is and, and what she can do in the kingdom of God. God puts that on the man to pull it out of his wife. So you're not just married so you'll have a companion. You're not married just so, you know, okay, uh, I won't be alone. Because in that scripture where he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, he's talking about leaving. That means personally, you know, leaving you. But forsake you means I'll never turn my heart away from you. God said, I'll never turn my heart away from you. So again, we have to, uh, the, the, the deep yearnings in our hearts for these things, these things are supplied by God. I don't care what relationship it is, they're supplied by God. And when you start putting on a person the thing that only God can satisfy, then that's too much pressure on that person. And guess what? One day you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. Because you're asking someone else to take the place of Jesus. That's why you don't get married saying, now this completes me. No, Jesus. 
Oh, now I'm complete. That means you've been, what, what do you, what's, what's been going on with, with your life? You just a half a person been running around for all these years? Are you saying that God didn't have any use of you for all the years that you weren't with somebody? What are you saying? Are you saying your whole life is wasting and of no importance? What are you saying? Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is such a good God. So God will give you, he'll give you purpose. God will give you the security that you need. God will give you the security that you need. Uh, let's look at um, Isaiah 41 and verse 13. And we're going to look at that out of the Amplified. And we're talking about relationships in the fact that we cannot put a demand on a relationship, whether it's marriage or whether it's friendship, that only God can satisfy. We get that satisfaction from God, and then they become secondary to what God can do for you. So if something happens to that relationship, then you always got God. And some people are like, well, but I want a person. Let me tell you something. There's an old song that says, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. And it is so true. Hallelujah. <laughs> My mind is almost like, what if you and your spouse both going through something at the same time? What y'all going to do? <laughs> if you're depending on each other to fulfill these things in you. Hallelujah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 41, let's start at verse uh, 13. He says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. I am the Lord who says to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, I will help you. I want you to go back up to verse 10 in this same passage of Scripture because this is what he says. Um, verse 10, he says, fear not, there is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand and justice. He said, I will help you. I will harden you against difficulties. When you're, when you're challenged, I will be there to strengthen you. Yes. You don't have to cave in. You don't have to feel alone. You don't have to feel forsaken. But I'm there for the hard times. Yes, I know what the marriage vows say. Sickness and health. You know, better for worse. Richer for poor. But as Pastor Brian said, if we really threw it out on the table... Y'all were here for that message. Some of y'all weren't here. He said, what, what if you were standing up there? He says, and even when they commit adultery on you, you're going to steal love. Or you'd be like, whoa, wait, hold. <laughs> but that's what we're saying. Sickness and health, better or worse, richer or poorer. I mean, what if they said, and when he loses his job in two years after your marriage, are you going to steal... But that's what we're saying in a relationship. 
And God is saying, you can say those things because I will be there for you. You can, you can agree to the covenant of marriage because I am always with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will never relax my hold on you. I will strengthen you through the difficult times, even when they lose their job, even if they do some things they shouldn't do, even if they, even if they, Dot, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to be fearful of being in a relationship with your spouse. You don't have to be fearful of opening yourself up and being who you are because I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. That's the most important factor. I'm with you. I used to say, and your spouse is a fringe benefit. <laughs> but the main thing is that God is with you. Amen. So he says that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there with you. Um, God will give you a reason to live. God will give you a reason to go on. God will give you purpose. God will, God will always be there with you so that we can love freely one another in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Because God is the one who actually empowers us to love like he's talking about loving in any type of relationship. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to look at uh, verse 22. And let us look at this in the uh, New King James. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, if we think that we're going to live a life regardless of the relationship without being led by the Spirit of God and it's going to do as it's supposed to do, then as Christians, we're mistaken. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. And this is what the Bible says concerning the fruit of the Spirit or what, the work, what work the Holy Spirit does in us. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy. I mean, when he's talking about love, he's not talking about that emotional up and down love. If you love me, I love you. If you treat me right, then I'll treat you right. It's not that tit for tat love. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long suffering, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. Who don't want to marry somebody who have those characteristics? Everybody want to marry someone who has those characteristics. You want to be friends with people who have those characteristics, amen? And so... Uh, in order to have those characteristics, the, the Bible says that's what the Holy Spirit works in us. That's what he works in us. Uh, and then we have, of course, uh, he talks about the flesh. But let's, before we talk about, uh, go to that particular part of this, uh, of this scripture. Let's look back up to um, verse 16, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, and looking at this again in the King James, he says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the, for the flesh lusts against spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are. See, this is the person, not 
being led by the Spirit of God. This is a person that is not allowing the Holy Spirit to direct them. This is, this is the fruit that comes, because he said the fruit that the Holy Spirit, we saw that love, joy, peace, kindness, you know, we saw all of that, right? And so some of you wonder why you should, if it's okay if you marry someone who is unsaved. Look at the fruit. We're about to read the fruit. We're going to read the, we're going to read the fruit of a person that you get involved with that is not spirit-led, spirit-fed. And we ain't talking about those play-play people. You know, I've had people come to me, but they was in the church... <laughs> investigate before you invest. You can't just, they was in the church and they were serving. I saw them serving. There was once a gentleman who came to the church. He said he liked what was going on here and he wanted to join the church. And then uh, Greg asked him if he was saved. He said, no. He said, you want to get saved? He said, no. I just want to be a part of what y'all doing. So you may be talking to someone who wants to be a part of what we're doing. Amen? All right, then. For those of you who want to skip marriage counseling and go on it on your own, that's exactly what you'll be doing on your own. Marriage counseling is advisable to anybody that is going to have a relationship with someone under the covenant of marriage. Just want that to sink in. <laughs> because when people come to, uh, sometimes when people come for marriage counseling, they just want to just tell me some stuff and I'll be on my way because we know how to do this. Well, I want you to understand that we as counselors, we know how to do that too. We know how to counsel. We know how to advise. And we are not blinded by love. We are not blinded by infatuation. We have your best interest at heart. That's what we're after. And we will probe and we will dig so that you will know to the best of your ability who you are marrying. in case that other foot hadn't come forward yet. <laughs> you know, the best foot forward. See, we ain't looking at the best foot forward. We're trying to find as quick as we can where that other foot is. So we can identify it. And having identified it and you say yes, amen. We with you. But understand, don't be showing back up in the council and talking about that other foot. We expose. Need I remind you that not only we were a witness at your wedding, but God said he was a witness. So you're saying I do? To everything you know. Look at somebody say everything you know. So in my book, you don't have a right to complain to your friends, your family, nor to God about stuff you knew. Because you said, I'm good with this. But y'all say, we good over here. Well, okay, stay good over there. Unless you bringing me something new to the table that we did not talk about, I don't want to hear it. Because you said okay. Look at somebody saying, you said okay. Amen. And the church house say amen. 
<laughs> Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Anyways, let's talk about the person who is not being led by the Spirit of God. Okay. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Those are sexual problems. They're not led by the Spirit of God. You may expect there might be some sexual problems happening. Mm -hmm. All righty then. Somebody said, well. <laughs> well, you know, okay. Let's, let's, bring it, let's bring it back again to the message that was taught a couple of Sundays ago. The fact that when people sin and they make misjudgments concerning things, you have to understand that they, demonic forces were in play and they chose the wrong way. Amen. It happens to everybody. Now, the impact may be a little different depending on what it is, but it's still just that. And God still says in a relationship that you forgive. Remember, I will harden you against difficulties. I will. See, God is still right there. That, that means that it's possible for the relationships to work. Now, all relationships don't work, and you have to understand this, that you have to hear from God. You, you have to hear from God. I, again, when people are challenged in their marriage, the first thing I want to know is what is it that you want to do? You want to stay? You want to leave? Let me know what it is that you want to do. If you don't know what you want to do, I can't do anything with that. I can't do anything with that because if you want to stay, I can counsel you concerning staying. If you want to leave, we can talk about what the repercussions of leaving or what that looks like. But we cannot counsel, I don't know what I want to do. You have to, have to know. You have to choose something. If we want to stay, well, let's talk about how this is going to work. If you want to go, let's talk about why it is that you want to go. Because God wants marriages to work. But I do understand that both parties have to be included on the work. Yes. Yes. And sometimes um, you're, 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 you're standing alone. And what I mean by that, one person is kind of aloof. They won't really tell you what they want to do. And, and you just kind of there. You don't know what to do. And sometimes you have to petition God and the other person is not there to be with, be with you concerning the marriage. Because they just doing what they do. But God can still help you through that. And for some people, they stand. They stand on the word. They pray the word of God. The other person has a change of heart. And the marriages work out wonderfully. But what I'm saying is you have to be willing, not easily broken. You don't just toss it to the side because we had a disagreement. You don't just toss it to the side because, you know, uh, what other people going to think about me? And some people look like, I don't care what people think about me. Oh, oh, people care about what people think about them. 
Girl, I would not be taking that if I were you. The thing of it is, is you're not me. You can't control your woman. You need to get you another one you can control. I let her go. <laughs> oh my goodness! Let's go to the uh, let's go to the other things here. <laughs> then you have um, idolatry, sorcery, spiritual problems. When you have hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, that means they got some emotional challenges. When you, <laughs> selfish, <laughs> selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, uh, envy, murder, drunkenness. Man, they got some behavioral problems, don't they? Rivalries and the like. They got some behavior. So that's what you can expect when you decide that I need to be with somebody who ain't quite saved yet and I can change them. Okay, all these things may show up. Because they have nothing to help them or nothing to govern them by. They're governing themselves. And when you do that and when we act like that, that means, it just means that, that we are doing things in our own ability. When we don't allow the Holy Spirit to assist us, we're doing things in our own abilities. And that's why it's important that we don't... Um, uh, that it's important that we look at the word and see how the word says that the relationships are supposed to go. It's very important that we that we that we do that so that we can be secure and then God can come in and help us and uh, assist us in what we're doing. We depend on uh, not our power, but we depend on God's power in our relationship to restore things and make them right or to keep them going or keep them. I, it's interesting to me. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our helper. And so we won't even ask for help in the simplest manner, simplest thing. It's like, I, I don't know what to do to please my husband. Well, ask the Holy Ghost if they won't share. It'd be easy to just ask a person. But, you know, sometimes when you ask women, I'm, you know, because I'm a woman and I know how, Y'all act. <laughs> We're so elusive. It's like, you should know. You should catch the hint. Your love for me should be so strong that you can read my mind. <laughs> don't you know who I am? You don't know who I am by now? You don't know that I don't like roses and I like tulips? Why don't you just say it? So they'll stop buying you roses. Y'all laugh, but it's the truth. Sometimes you just don't sit down and have an honest conversation with one another because you think this, this, this mystical love that you have for each other is going to cause each other to, to read each other's minds and, 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 and they're just going to know, just like that movie you saw, and, and, and they're going to sweep you off your feet. And, 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 and now you got the poor man just running around trying to figure out what movie you saw so that he can... <laughs> What book have you read lately? <laughs> but we have to depend on God again for our deepest needs. Because if we don't, we will transfer those pressures on other people. We will transfer them over to our spouse. We, that we'll just do that. And uh, I, I, for me, I learned that 
early on in marriage. It was like, okay, wait, wait. Because I had the same, well, maybe your dream wasn't like my dream, but I was like, yes, I'm going to have the, the nice house, the white picket fence, you know. Uh, I'll cook dinner. Greg will love everything I cook. <laughs> he told me one time that all my food tastes like fish. <laughs> he was lying. <laughs> he said, every meat you cook tastes like fish. Well, I wasn't taught to change the grease. <laughs> oh, all you people laughing are over a certain age and you learn something. But some of these people in here that's not, they don't know. So I'm still secure in who I am. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm not moved by the fact that you all are laughing at my cooking skills. I can cook. I do cook. But I would rather clean. Now ask me how to get a spot out of something. I can, I can work with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we cannot make other people Jesus in our lives. If our relationships are going to work, we're going to have to leap for, look for those deepest yearnings and desires. We're going to have to find them in Christ Jesus first. And that way you don't put pressure on other people. That way you're secure in who you are. That way you have purpose in mind. That way you have stability. You're strong, and then you're able to assist each other. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening today. We believe that the Word of God has the power to change our lives, and I just want you to know that we are praying for you, we're believing for you, for your relationships to be stronger than ever and be stable. This is the year of stability, and we're believing, God, that everything we touch will be strengthened. 